Xbox On. Welcome to Xbox On, a podcast with one host about one console, Xbox. I'm said host, Jesse DeRosa, and on today's episode, we'll be talking about the latest Xbox news for the week of September 29th, 2022, including GTA 6 has leaked, like, a lot. Phil Spencer is out here talking about even more acquisitions. EA and Koei Tecmo are working on a game together, and more. On this day in Xbox history, in the year 2021, yeah, just last year, Hot Wheels Unleashed was released on the Xbox Series S and X, as well as the Xbox One, in Australia, Japan, and New Zealand. Yes, uh, it came out the next day uh, in all other territories, but you know how it is. Those Australians always getting game releases slightly sooner than we do due to the time zone difference. Damn you. Yeah, sometimes we pay respect to some more recent titles. Guys, welcome to episode 174 of Xbox On. Feels like I haven't been on this show in a long time. Feels like we haven't done the show in such a long time because last week I was out of town and I had that episode pre-recorded with Omar um, and then that went live. So technically you guys didn't miss an episode, but it feels like I took a week off and like nothing has happened with the show in a long time. Anyway, it's good to be back. We got a lot to cover. There's been a lot that's happened uh, over the past week and a half, two weeks, whatever it's been. And uh, since I've already alluded to it a little bit, I do want to just say at the top of the show, uh, thank you to everyone that listened to last week's episode. Thank you especially to Omar. For those who don't know what I'm talking about, last week, episode 173, uh, we did a different episode than usual. Rather than covering the news, I had a special guest on to do an interview, um, Mr. Omar Smith, who actually had the opportunity to work with Xbox, work at Xbox as a marketer on the Game Pass team now working over on the Surface team at Microsoft still. Um, And we had a really fun talk about him and his path that led him to Xbox and a little bit about his childhood and, you know, odd jobs up until he got to Xbox working at Taco Bell, of all places, back in, uh, I think, high school. But it was a really fun conversation. I really appreciated having uh, Omar Green to come on the show, and uh, I'd love to do something like that again. Thank you to all of you. A lot of you guys left some really nice comments. Um, Just really seems like you enjoyed the show. I I hope you all enjoyed it. And... um, yeah, so that it was great. I'm glad that went well. I was worried that maybe uh, I would have a really dry week off with like just some stupid episode of me like counting all the copies of Sonic Unleashed I own on Xbox 360, and you guys would just get bored and unsubscribe. But that didn't happen. Uh, in fact, many of you wrote in congratulating us on the show and, and, and writing about just how much you enjoyed it, which I really appreciated. Um, Wade Lau, for example, wrote and said, great job, Jesse. So proud of you. You're my favorite podcaster with Tourette's. So if anyone is listening to this show and you are also a podcaster, and if you have Tourette's, fuck you. I'm better than you. How do you like that? So, uh, yeah, again, thank you so much, Omar, for doing the show, and thank you all for listening and supporting it. Um, another notable thing I need to get out of the way before we get into the show this week. So, it's, it's weird because we, we have about two weeks worth of news to catch up on, but at the same time, I need to – you guys know how it is. I like to overindulge and, and just overexplain and, and make an hour and 20-minute podcast stretch out to two and a half hours because I'm just 
overindulgent like that, but I cannot let that happen this week. I am uh, racing against the clock here on Wednesday, the 28th, as I sit here recording this. Um, here in Florida, we are about to experience a what is supposed to be a pretty massive hurricane. Thankfully, you know, I live closer in the Orlando area, so we generally, historically, knock on wood, experience uh, like significantly less severe uh, storms. Um, you know, generally by the time it makes its way off the water as inland as we are, uh, it's, it's, you know, the impact is usually far less great, you know, whatever, uh, far more minimal. <laughs> and, uh, so whatever the, the point is, uh, as a relatively new Floridian, I guess I've only been here three years, I have still yet to experience a severe storm. So I'm a little bit just trying to figure out and navigate those waters, uh, no pun intended as it is right now. So you know, they're, they're telling us we're going to run out of, or that the power's going to shut off at some point tonight, and uh, I'm just trying to get this episode in the oven, uh, uploaded, edited, ready for tomorrow morning so that, you know, assuming tomorrow morning I wake up, I don't have power, uh, you guys are all still able to get the episode, so um, that's not me being like, oh man, you know, woe is me, I'm in a storm, pray for me, I'm, I'm not trying to be that guy, uh, I'm just saying, I, I, am, I am nervous about making sure this episode gets into your hands, so metaphorically speaking. So I am going to try to be a little more pithy, a little more succinct this week with getting everything out. And as of right now, I think I'm, get, I'm doing an F-minus job because this uh, announcement only had to be 20 seconds, and here we are two minutes into it. So thank you for your understanding with that. Hopefully next week everything should be back to normal 100%, and we can have a long, lengthy conversation about all the minutia that no one asked for, and uh, it will be just as it always is. So with all that said, guys, let's jump into our opening, or actually, sorry, one more thing. Well, this is games related, so trust me, you'll care, hopefully, maybe. Before we get into our opening stories, I do want to note, this was pretty big news a week ago, um, but it would feel weird to just not mention it. A couple of really notable games hit Game Pass uh, and were announced last week. So last time I recorded an episode where we talked about news, we were talking about how Deathloop is obviously about to come to Game Pass imminently. Uh, There was the premature like uh ad on the xbox dashboard that leaked and obviously we we knew there were a bunch of telltale signs the game had reached its one year contract end date with playstation and also something i don't think we mentioned playstation was putting death loop on their um, free games of the month playstation plus benefit uh for the month of september which was a telltale sign that they're like fuck you this game's coming to xbox they're just gonna take it and put it on game pass anyway so we'll just give the game out for free we don't care um so anyway there were a couple of telltale signs anyway with that said it's been officially announced, and as of the time you're listening to this, the game has, you know, been on Game Pass for about a week now. So Deathloop, now officially available on Game Pass, an Xbox-owned game and studio and publisher that had an exclusive game on PlayStation last year due to contractual obligations that were met before Xbox acquired Bethesda. It's a whole mess of a thing that we talked about it many times on the show before. Now you guys can finally go out there and play Arcane's Deathloop. Uh, it seems like people are really loving this game, just just as uh, was the case when it released on PlayStation last year. Um, seems like one of those games where not enough people are talking about this game and playing it because those who are talking about it and playing it have nothing but excellent things to say about it. Me, my plan is to actually get around to this game, hopefully this weekend, uh, knock on wood again, assuming that I have power and I'm able to play Xbox. Um, so that's something I'm looking forward to. That was confirmed during Tokyo Game Show, which happened the other week. Also announced, um, maybe less interesting to a more specifically Xbox-centric audience, but you know, still pretty big game coming to Game Pass. Assassin's Creed Odyssey is now on Game Pass. Uh, also announced at Tokyo Game Show because, you know, the Japanese audience loves nothing more than playing French games on uh, American consoles. Uh, but anyway, the game is available now on Game Pass. Go ahead, try it out if you're interested. 
that is one of the more highly regarded recent Assassin's Creed entries. So uh, I'm, I, I'm sure it's great. I just don't I don't have any experience with that franchise still. Uh, and the last one, this one is this one actually makes perfect sense for Tokyo Game Show. And actually, I think this is the most surprising one of them all because this I would have never guessed would come to Xbox. But Level Five uh, announced that Nino Kuni, uh, the the series of Nino Kuni games, there's only two of them, I believe, is officially coming to Xbox. The publisher uh, Bandai Namco announced on Thursday. Uh, so Level Five's Nino Kuni: Wrath of the Witch Queen, which is the second game, which I think came out around 2017 or 18. Uh, we'll come to Game Pass via Xbox One, Series X, and S. Um, part two of the Level 5 RPG, which features... Uh, this is just a description of it. it. is part two of the Level 5 RPG, which features the animation from Studio Ghibli. That's what it was famous for. Release, will release sometime in 2023 on Game Pass. Um, I, I guess the first one's not coming, but the second one is. I don't know. This is, this is how Japanese game support works on Xbox. It's like, here, you can have the fourth entry of this series, and then we'll put five and six exclusively on PlayStation, and then you can have entry seven, and you can get two spinoffs that were on the PSP or 3DS back in the day. It's like, what the... F- Whatever. You know what? I, beggars cannot be choosers. We're begging for some Japanese content on Xbox. We're getting some. Phil is, you know, obviously Team Xbox is working really hard to get more Japanese support on this platform. And it definitely shows. You, you've definitely seen an uptick in the past few years. And obviously Xbox is trying hard to get into that market with um, cloud streaming and whatnot. So I, I count this as a win no matter how you slice it. You know, a, a win is a win. I'll take whatever we can get. I've always been curious to try this series anyway. Um, unfortunately, I will be a little bit of a hypocrite because I won't be putting my money where my mouth is and supporting this game because I don't want to start with the sequel. I'd rather play the first entry first, but as far as I know, that game is locked on PlayStation 3, I believe. So, yeah, maybe I'll maybe I will download and boot up the game for 20 minutes just so that like the analytics are supported to show that Xbox players are downloading and trying these games out. But I have no interest in really playing the game without access to the first one. But nonetheless, it is exciting to see more and more Japanese support uh, on this platform. Now, with that out of the way, we move into the actual stories of mild amusements, updates of the week, things of that nature. And we do have something Activision-related to talk about at the top of the show. I know um, sometimes it's not always a good thing, but in this case, I think it's uh, maybe a little bit more of an interesting one because we got the Microsoft CEO, Satya Nadella, speaking on the deal, which is something you normally don't see, especially when it comes to this stuff with Xbox. It's Microsoft largely just tries to step aside when it's Xbox for some reason. They're always willing to talk about services and Office and Windows and Surface and this and all that shit. But when it comes to Xbox, it just feels like there's a there's a I don't know that this is true. It just feels like there's a very like Xbox is this very separate thing we just happen to own attitude. And so it is cool to see Sachi Nadella, you know, I got credit where credit's due, uh, of the more recent of the no, I guess uh, between him and Balmer, uh, Sachin Nadella seems to be very supportive of Xbox, and uh, this is definitely him putting a little bit of support behind it. Although, a $68.7 billion deal, I guess the CEO probably should say something on that at some point. But anyway, he said that, uh, you know, despite all the back and forth about the deal being further scrutinized by European regulation boards, uh, he actually said that he feels very confident that the company's planned acquisition of Activision Blizzard will gain regulatory approval. The proposed $68.7 billion acquisition of Call of Duty Publisher would be the game's largest acquisition ever, um, monetarily speaking, comfortably surpassing the $12.7 billion Take-Two Zanga merger, which was completed earlier in the year. And the deal is currently being scrutinized by regulators concerned about the the antitrust issues during the time of increasing consolidation in the games industry and also Sony is crying lots of tears and Europe seems to be very sympathetic to Sony 
Um, I don't mean that on a console war st- standpoint. I just mean it, it seems like that's genuinely something we've been seeing. Quote, of course, any acquisition of this size will go through scrutiny, but we feel very, very confident that it will come out. Uh, Nadella told Bloomberg in an interview, in an article, uh, last week, the UK's competition and market authority said the inquiry or said its inquiry into the deal had officially been expanded to the second phase due to a number of antitrust concerns. And as we spoke about last time this was brought up, I, much like Sachin Nadella, feel very confident that this is, at the end of the day, going to go through. It's just going to be scrutinized a little bit more than maybe some of us had initially expect, inspect, expected. Damn. But, uh, yeah, it's it's cool to see Sachin Nadella putting some... I guess putting some of his weight behind the deal and in, in, in weighing in on the conversation because it's been a lot of 1990s Sony verse or uh, Nintendo versus Sega kind of console war banter we've been seeing between Xbox and and uh, and, and PlayStation um, in recent weeks. Now our next story we have to talk about our next story of mild amusement. The only reason this doesn't become a main story is because we've just we know this is happening. It's an all but confirmed thing. So it's just yet another um, bit of information le- lending further confirmation to what we already know to be happening. Although we technically have no official word. VGC reports certain affinity have shared more details on their role working on Halo Infinite. It's revealed in a uh, leading sorry. It's revealed. It's oh. They've revealed it's leading development on something big and new for the franchise. The prolific Texas-based studio, uh, which has collaborated on installments in the Halo and Call of Duty franchises since 2007, announced earlier this year that they had taken on additional Halo Infinite infinite development duties. Now, the company has shared more details on what this entails, telling VentureBeat that the unannounced Infinite project is the largest currently active at the company. CEO Max Hoberman said, the biggest, quote, the biggest thing we're doing that's public right now for more than two years now as we've been working on Halo Infinite, doing something that they're very prescriptive about what we can say. But we're doing something unannounced and we're doing lead development on that unannounced thing. And from a conceptual design standpoint, it's something new and big and for the franchise. But I can't say anything more about it. That's our single largest project of the three projects. Currently, we have close to 100 developers working on it. In January, end quote, in January, Windows Central said that they had received hints that certain affinity may be uh, developing a new Halo Infinite game mode, which could be the shooter's take on a battle royale or something else entirely. The report also backed up claims that Xbox is working on a Monster Hunter-style co-op game with Certain Affinity. Veteran industry executive Paul Sams recently joined Certain Affinity as the studio's president and chief operating officer. He previously spent 20 years at Blizzard, where he led multiple roles, including COO, and recently he was CEO of The Order 1886 and Lone Echo Studio, Ready at Dawn. And I think they were acquired a couple of years back by Facebook after working with Sony for a while. Anyway, long story short. So, we, I mean, we know about the rumors of the Monster Hunter-esque game by Certain Affinity in collaboration with Xbox. We know they've been working on Halo for a long-ass time. And we all know that that rumor, uh, not just Windows Central, although they've been huge, uh, they've, they've been a large force for this reporting and a large source of reliable information in regards to this reporting, reporting of that sort. We all pretty much know and can guess and more or less guarantee that this is probably uh, a certain affinity making a battle royale mode for Halo Infinite, right? It's no, it's no big surprise. The only other thing it could be is some other form of a third pillar to Halo Infinite, right? I guess Halo, I always I always think that, like, Call of Duty has the three pillars with campaign, multiplayer, and zombies, and that Halo is just a multiplayer campaign experience, but that's not true. Halo has three pillars. It's campaign, uh, multiplayer, and, of course, Forge, which is an excellent, huge third pillar. Um, but, um, I mean, I guess Call of Duty's third pillar these days is fucking Warzone. God, that makes me sad. Anyway, 
Um, no, but this would be, I, I, I suppose, a fourth pillar for Halo. It, it seems like they're pretty... Like, what else could it be? We know we know that certain affinity are not the ones making Forge. You know, we, we've gotten deep dives on the Forge project, and we know all about that and when it's coming and, and whatnot. And obviously, multiplayer is being headed up by 343. I'm sure certain affinity has worked on or will work on other aspects of multiplayer. They have done maps for Halo games for a very long time. I wouldn't be surprised to find out they have been working on some maps for the game. But you don't have a 100-man, 100-plus-man team working on some extra DLC maps for Halo Infinite. This is clearly a big project, a big undertaking, and I think it's pretty safe to assume it's the Battle Royale thing that's been rumored on and off for Halo for a long-ass time. In fact, there are rumors going all the way back to, like, the mid-years of Halo 5. Not mid as in, like, oh, the game is mid, but mid as in, like, the 2017, 2018 years of halo 5 when it was a little old but not not quite the you know not quite new not quite old kind of halo game and uh at one point there was a a a reported plan to have a battle royale in halo 5 and it was scrapped kind of last minute and so i i think it's pretty obvious that there's a desire at 343 to have a big battle royale initiative with halo and certain affinity i think we've all more or less assumed and guessed for a long time that they're the ones uh, helming this project I think this is clearly something that we're going to see next year, without a doubt. Maybe it's an E3 time frame where we get the release, but again, this is all part of my my inner working theory that what they're doing with Halo, what 343 is doing with Halo right now is they're, they're biting the bullet, they're taking the L today by being like, yeah, this game is dry on content, it's going to continue to be drier, it's actually going to get even drier than you thought it was, so that we can kind of work, get our heads down, work, 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 and develop enough content and have enough to announce that next summer we can kind of do a marketing relaunch of the game where we can be like boom here's season three it's not it's not even that long it's only two months boom here's season four here's you know this is there and we fixed match or um uh, what's it called custom games and here's our battle royale and they can kind of like reintroduce and 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 re-reveal the game in a way so i think this is probably at the at the helm of of all this relaunch and my guess is that this is a a next summer announcement but I mean, literally Max Hoberman just teasing what I think we already all assume and, and, and think we know here. Pretty confident that's what that is, but I guess anything's possible. Maybe they are just making a Halo Infinite um, fucking farming simulator. God damn it. If we get another Animal Crossing knockoff, but now you're Master Chief, I swear to God. Hashtag bring back Bonnie. Uh, next up, VGC reports. Phil Spencer, a head of Xbox, CEO of gaming, uh, has said that there's currently nothing to say about Platinum Games' publicly stated desire to revive the canned exclusive Scalebound. Now, people always bring this game up. I feel like it just, I think every six months this story resurfaces in some degree. But Scalebound, as many of you probably already know, arguably has become one of the most infamous projects in Xbox history. Announced in 2014 for Xbox One, the game was planned as a character act- action title by the Bayonetta developer uh, and director Hideki. But following a lengthy period of development, the game was eventually canceled three years later in 2017, despite even being shown off at E3 one year. Platinum and Xbox leadership have continually asked about the projects since, but speculation has reached ahead back earlier this year, where Kamiya told IGN Japan that he'd like to discuss more with Microsoft about the possibility of officially reviving the project. Uh, he even said, we did a lot of work on it, and it's no use for Microsoft to keep keep the game in its current form so we'd like to do something about it phil let's do something together no it was a joke he later told uh, vgc i'm totally it's not a joke i'm totally serious about doing this 
Fast forward to today, Xbox head Phil Spencer has been asked about the potential revival by Games Watch and if a revived scale bound were even possible, to which Phil Spencer replied, as translated by VGC Robert uh, Safonson. Sorry, I can't read for shit. Quote, there's currently nothing to say about scale bound. Previously, when he was asked about the possibility of a revival for the title, Spencer more explicitly answered, quote, for the people out there thinking that maybe there's something still in the works, there's not. When he when he was asked about the project in 2020, I, I just want to say I, it's kind of annoying when this story comes up. I, I'm almost inclined to just stop relaying it when we when we see it in the news because clearly Scalebound is not coming back. Microsoft I, I think feels burned by that project and their in their time working with with um, Platinum. And and remember earlier in the year when we were talking about the stories where the guys at Platinum were like, yeah, we'd love to come back to Scalebound. We we think we think now would be the time. We have the technology. We have the right team. Uh, you know, the, the stars have aligned. Now is the time to do Scalebound. It, even then, it was like they, they seemed a little desperate, and like they were trying to market themselves and be like, hey, can we get the audience to get riled up about the potential of this game coming back so that they can encourage Xbox to, to see some kind of potential so that they'll want to invest in bringing it back? All this shit. And it's just it was never it was never going to happen. And it just kind of seems a little desperate and weird. And Platinum's in a odd space where they're this developer that has shown pr- time and time again that they can do really great games, but they often do really bad games. And and uh, they they definitely they're not in a great spot with uh, especially with that game. Uh, what the fuck is it called? That game that they just uh, released earlier this year that is now getting shut down for good. Babylon's Fall, that's right. Uh, Square Enix uh, published Babylon's Fall, which came out with an absolute thud, hit the ground, and is already being delisted and shut down completely as of this upcoming February. Um, there are stories this week about how you can like go to some some game stores around the country which are just like, giving the game out for free. Like, we don't want it, we don't want it. Um, so Platinum, obviously in a rough spot. They seem desperate for some potential work. And Microsoft is like, no, we were we were burned by Scalebound. We don't want to do that game. So there is that story resurfacing it again for the second time this year, the fifth time since it was canceled. And what else is there to say, man? All right, let's talk about a few more before we get into the proper news. BGC also relays that details have been revealed surrounding E3's revamped 2023 format in return to form, more or less, which will see a separate business and consumer events split between four days in June. E3 2023, which will be the show's first in-person event in four years, will officially uh, run from Tuesday, June 13th, till Friday, June 17th, 16th. Organizer uh, Reed Pop announced on Monday. Now, you remember earlier in the year we talked about Reed Pop kind of taking over the mantle and everything of, of E3. So they'll be running the event for the ESA, which is the event, the the organization that owns E3 and operates E3 generally. Under the revamp format, the first two days of E3, June 13th through 14th, will be reserved exclusively for business. The third day, June 15th, will welcome both business and consumer visitors. And then the final day, the uh, June 16th, will be dedicated entirely to consumers. So one half of the LA Convention Center will be entirely dedicated to business, while a quieter, more comfortable booths in that area will be reserved for them to network. Reed Pop also hopes to reopen Kentia Hall, Kentia Halls, Kentia Hall, a basement area not used for some years for business pr- purposes. The other half of the LACC, LA Convention Center, will be the spectacular E3 that you're used to, and the first two days will also be for business attendees only. In addition, E3 2023 will feature a new dedicated meeting space where attendees can connect using E3 app to hold meetings. I find this all very interesting because 
for the longest time, the rumors and the, and the talk and the desire uh, in regards to E3 was like, hey, we need to make this event bigger, more profitable, more like bombastic than it's ever been. And there's all this talk about let's let's try to basically turn E3 into some kind of con, you know, uh, not con like a, a scam, but like con like a convention where they tried to make it more public facing. They were talking about trying to reach out with influencers and do all this bullshit. And, and everyone was like, what the fuck are they doing with E3? Now, let's rewind back in history a little bit. E3 was basically something that spun off eventually from um, CES, the Consumer Electronics Show, which happens earlier every year, usually, I think, in Las Vegas, if I'm not mistaken. And basically, this was like, hey, gaming was a small part of CES. We're going to try to do our own thing with gaming and make it its own separate event. And it grew and grew and grew to the thing it is today or thing it was prior to the Black Plague kind of taking it down. But... The thing about E3 is it was always meant to be a business event. The whole point of E3 is it's like, hey, here's where all the big publishers and the companies can announce their games and their hardware out to the yeah to the public, make the consumers aware. But it was mostly so that investors could be aware of what these companies are working on. They can see what the competition's doing. They can show off their projects in in action, give like actual uh, concrete conceptualizations of what what it is they have going on behind the scenes of these various companies. And the other half of it was was selling it to these retailers. You know, it's like hey, look at our new game. That's totally cool. Everyone's super interested in it. The media is really into it. Consumers seem really high on it. And it was kind of a way of advertising and marketing the game to you know, your Best Buys and your GameStops or your Walmarts or whatever retailers at the time. I guess fucking, what, KB Toys and Toys R Us or whoever the fuck was buying games back in those days. And the idea is basically saying like, hey, buy, buy this game. You know, like companies, retailers, invest in this game because it's going to be a big game. It's going to sell a lot of copies. You're going to want to buy a lot of copies from the the, the the publisher, right? And over time, it's just evolved and evolved and more and more as, as we've gotten into more televised coverage and internet-based coverage of E3, where it's become such a Super Bowl, Super Bowl type event for game fans that we kind of forget that E3 was more about appealing to the investors and, and, the, and the retailers and less about like, us who were just excited to see fucking who was it Keanu Reeves come on stage and talk about cyberpunk that one time, you know? So it's weird because E3 has become so kind of disconnected and out of touch in a way with what it originally was. And then they were trying to go further and further down that rabbit hole as the ESA started to face, you know, more and more challenges, financial challenges, EA and Sony and the like, and Nintendo pulling out of the show more and more. And just all these kinds of hurdles, they were going to try to steer more in the direction of like, Hey, um, we want influencers and consumers to come to the show. We'll just treat it like a fucking comic con who cares. Right. And, uh, now what we're getting is just kind of the opposite. They're like, let's have our cake and eat it too. Let's try to have the first half appeal specifically to this sector. And then the second half to this sector. And I suppose the idea is that it makes it more attractive, uh, and more of, I don't know, more of an appealing experience for media to come and focus on that that's the thing i can't i can't help but think about is if, if you're trying to attract my assumption for why they would do this is because if you're trying to attract the attention of businesses business media outlets and traditional games outlets you want to create a space where it is possible and approachable and not entirely daunting for these kinds of people to come and experience E3 and see what's going on and not get distracted by everything left, right, and, and middle and be able to focus on the actual meat and potatoes of the event. And by leaving the show floor to just a certain group of people for a while, you, you can create that atmosphere where it's a little easier, a little less daunting, a little more manageable for these kinds of uh, people. And that's my guess is they, they want that experience for those groups of people, for investors, for retailers, for media personnel, because... 
in the years since E3 has kind of gone away for a while due to, you know, the pandemic and everything, uh, I, I think what happened is there's just been such an explosion of everyone can command the attention of the retailers and the media at any given point by holding whatever press conference they want, whenever they want. You know, we got fucking summer game fest. We got Xbox does their own event with Bethesda. We got square Enix comes out and does whatever the hell they want when they want. Ubisoft comes out and announces 10 more Assassin's Creed games and nothing else when they want. Sony comes out and announces all the exclusive games that they're stealing from Xbox and then bitches and moans about call of duty behind closed doors. And they do that whenever they want. And Nintendo comes out and they're like, you guys like Nintendo Wii U games? We're, we're bringing a lot of Wii U games over to the Switch, and then Switch sells another 2.6 trillion copies. And these companies can all do that whenever they fucking feel like it. And it's created an absolute clusterfuck, just dissonant mess of this of this news cycle, where it's just like, dude, I can't keep up with half of what's happening because it's like every time I fucking turn on my phone, they're like, oh, look, uh, Zanga will be having a press conference with Netflix about gaming uh, on Wednesday at 2 p.m. I'm like. Do I do I do I need to care about that? Is that going to be something that's actually relevant and important? And I, I think a lot of us are kind of missing E3 a little bit, where it's just like, remember when there was that one week in the year where it was like everyone fuck off, you know, just get sit on the couch, pop a bag of popcorn, order a pizza, whatever. This is the the, the four or five days where you need to be glued to your computer or your TV and focus on games news because there's a lot of it and it's all going to be jam-packed into this week and it was kind of nice because it felt like we could kind of keep up with it because we knew how to schedule ourselves and orient ourselves and set our expectations around an event and if for us as consumers i feel like that was kind of great and now it's great for the publishers and the developers now because they can kind of control their message and have their spotlight when and how they see fit with doing their own digital presentations but for us as consumers and i assume for media types and 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 retailers and things like that, it's just kind of a fucking mess because you just got to be willing on any random fucking Tuesday, 2 p.m. Pacific time for just like goddamn, like uh, what, what do they call the um, Game Loft is going to have their fucking Nintendo Direct. Oh my God, everyone gather around the couch. Game Loft is about to announce seven more Match 3 puzzle games coming exclusively to the iPhone and they will come to Android shortly afterwards and oh my God, make sure you're here and you watch the live stream event because you're just going to miss it and you're going to look like a total asshole. And then it's just, you know, it's just such a mess, especially these days because it's like you never know. Like Sony does their state of plays, which is like their version of Nintendo Direct, just like Nintendo Direct. It's like they'll do like four of them and one will be dog shit, one will be amazing, the next one will be dog shit. The next one will be just okay. And it's like, it's just mixed grab bag every time. Like, is this something I'm going to have to care about? I don't know. And I, I think bringing it back to form, bringing it back to E3 and, and, and telling people like, hey, this is a this is a time of year where you're going to get all the announcements you need is, is an attractive marketing tool to retailers and investors and business type and media type. And um, my, my guess is that's what they're going for. But I other than that, I can't fathom why they would be doing this if not for that reason. And then, you know, the latter half, you can be like, all right, floodgates down. You know, the business people got their shit in. All right, fans, come dress up as your favorite fucking Overwatch character that you wish you could sleep with in the real world. And we'll take pictures and we'll wait in two-hour lines to play the next Mario Kart DLC. And we'll just brag on and on and on about how Diablo 4 looks amazing, even though you were just shitting on the mobile game three months ago. And it'll be just business as usual, old-school E3. And, I, you know, like I said, have your cake and eat it too, best of both worlds. I think that's what they're going for. Will it work? I don't know. But I will be honest, as someone who was pretty critical of E3, especially during these past few years where we were moving away from it and into this realm of everyone can do whatever they want, control their own messaging as they see fit when they want, I kind of miss E3. <laughs> I, I, I miss being like, hey, work. I need uh, th these, these couple days off 
because I'm going to sit in front of my couch. I'm going to eat goddamn 3D Doritos, and I'm going to watch some guy who's super cringe and doesn't understand what the hell he's talking about get on stage and talk about the next goddamn, uh, what's that game, Everybody Dance or Dance Central or whatever the fuck that, that Ubisoft dancing game that still comes to Nintendo Wii uh, is called, and, and then be like, ha, that's stupid, that's boring, that's funny. And then Xbox is like, boom, Halo, and you're like, oh, my God, I'm excited. And then EA is like, boom, football and, so- and, and, and soccer, and you're like, uh, now I'm bored again. And it's just, I, I miss it. I miss I miss the eventfulness, the camaraderie, the communal experience of everyone collectively coming together and being like, ooh, E3. So let's see how that goes. Uh, a couple things about Logitech before we get into the actual news. I don't know how they're showing up, but Logitech, uh, they, they released some kind of advert earlier in the week which showed like a wall with a bunch of technology and you know the accessories and Logitech things for all these different platforms they work on. They had they had like VR shit on the wall. They had a PlayStation Five on the wall. Weirdly enough, in this in this advertisement, there was an Xbox Series X on the wall, but it was notably white. Remember, Xbox Series X, the more powerful, bigger console, only comes in black. Xbox Series S, the smaller, more entry level console, only comes in white. So to see. The traditionally black Xbox Series X in white was like, uh, whoa, 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 is this like, is this a tease? Is this a mess up? Are they making a, a white version of the Series X? And immediately Microsoft was like, no, 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 this is promotional video material from our partner. It's not an actual uh, product that we're releasing. We have no plans to release the Series X in white at this time. However, I can't help but feel like this was intentional. Not, we're not intentional, like they were trying to announce it, but like they, they, put something in there that wasn't supposed to be in there and it, it is indicative of something that is on the way because why the fuck would they just have a random ass white xbox series x like who would have just fabricated a random white shell for the xbox series x for the sake of this advertisement the only reason i could even remotely buy into that it was just for the advertisement would be the fact that in the advertisement if you look at the picture it is an intentionally like all white like glowy cool apple store looking room and there's this person she's standing there and she's in like an all-white outfit and she's got her headphones on supposed to look all like sleek and futuristic and tron and techie like and you look at all the technology on the shelf it's like well the ps5 the ps5 is a white console comes in white and all the controllers and everything are white controllers and the oculus quest it's like okay but then the xbox is randomly white it's like well maybe they just made it white to match everything else but it stands in contrast because there is a razor um, gaming mic that's pink. They didn't change that to white. So I feel like, I don't know, it's like with all the supply shortage issues, it's like why would Xbox be <laughs> like trying to get a white version of the Xbox Series X out into the wild? Shouldn't they just be focused on trying to get the damn console as it is out into the wild? But at the same time, it's like why would they have access to a white-shelled Xbox Series X if, if not, you know, something that they're working towards? So I don't know. I'm conflicted on this. Personally, I have a hard time caring because I genuinely don't give a shit if if they make an Xbox Series X in white or not. But I know, you know, some people would care for that. I personally prefer black consoles. I think it just looks slicker and nicer and cooler. So I'm more than happy to have the black Xbox Series X as it is. But um, obviously, there are going to be consumers who would prefer to have this console in white. And so it is notable in that regard. Is it real? I, I feel like it probably is. But I Xbox, it seems adamant that it isn't. We'll have to wait and see. The other big Logitech thing that happened this week, it was like, uh, oh my God, that's interesting, immediately followed by, oh, I don't give a shit about it. But Logitech announced a new 
G Cloud uh, device. They call it G Cloud, which is an Android powered gaming handheld device compatible with Xbox Cloud Streaming, Steam Link, and NVIDIA's GeForce Now. All three of those services ba- basically built in native to the, the, the little portable Nintendo Switch slash Steam, Jack, Steam Deck competitor. Uh, launching very soon on October 17th for $350, the G Cloud features a 7-inch HD touchscreen plus a 12-hour all-day battery life, haptics, gyroscope, remappable controls. It's basically like a Steam Deck for cloud streaming services like um, like Xbox Game Cloud and NVIDIA GeForce. For those who pre-order right now, though, you get a $50, $50 off the cost, so it's a $300 handheld device if you uh, buy it now before it releases next month. Now, the Logitech G Cloud was in development, and this is where you lose me, because I'm like, okay, pretty cool, 300 bucks. that's a nice price tag. If you look at the device, it looks pretty hefty. It looks like it has good contour and would be ergonomic in the hand. It kind of looks like a Switch Lite mixed with a... Um, a Steam Deck, so I'm like, cool. I'd I'm, I'd actually be kind of down for this device because I hate the idea. I hate the idea of using my phone to play X X Cloud because I don't want to drain my phone battery playing video games. I want to have my phone battery for phones, phone related things like looking at Twitter and being mad at the world. Um, so I like the idea of this this device. I'm kind of interested. Let, let's let's see. Let, let's continue to look into it. Here's the downside. Logitech G Cloud was in a development partnership between Logitech and Tencent Games and support cloud streaming for a variety of apps in addition to the ability to stream local games from an Xbox console with the Xbox app. Another great feature, but fuck you, Tencent. Uh, cloud gaming, quote, cloud gaming is super exciting. Uh, new ways to play. I love how you can access the gaming libraries anywhere, I said you just uh, decide VPA general manager of Logitech gaming. Uh, what we wanted to do was challenge ourselves to build a device that was perfectly optimized for gaming, blah, 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 similar to the high end. Fuck you. You're going 10 cent. It's a 10 cent games supported device. Uh, or, or collaboration with 10 cent to support cloud streaming, whatever. I don't care. I don't want it. I'm uninterested. You lost me. The device looks cool. Like it physically looks like a cool looking device. Um, it's got a little bit of that Wii U plasticky janky look, which I like. Um, but nope, I'm not interested. You lost me. All right, so that's it for all of our opening stories. Uh, clearly, we're moving very fast to the news. We're only 40 minutes in the podcast, and we haven't gotten to the news. So let's keep it rolling. Next, we'll jump into the proper news segment, I do promise. But first, as we always do each and every week, we got to talk about the games I've been playing this week, which I'm excited to get to. But before I can talk about that, i got to tell you about what I've been eating. God damn it, guys. Disney pizza. So let me tell you what. Shut up. I'm not talking about theme parks. I'm talking about pizza. It's an important manly food that everyone needs to be aware of. So I was out last week. Uh, my brother and my nephew came to town, and we went to Disney for the week, and it was kind of like the old days. It was nice. It was like before I lived here when you just stay at a Disney hotel, pretend the outside world of Florida doesn't exist. You stay in your little bubble. You go to your theme parks. You do all day. You get super tired, but you have a lot of fun riding all the rides. And It was like the good old days. It was nice. Anyway, so we're over at Epcot. Best park, favorite place on earth. They have a relatively new little quick service restaurant that opened up earlier this year at that park, right? Why am I bringing this up? Pizza, that's why. So he, here's the thing is earlier in the year when this place opened up, they tried to tout like a lot of newer Disney restaurants, even the fast food ones on property. are trying to be a little more like food made from scratch, a little, little healthier, a little more fresh, you know, maybe not healthier, but like freshly made and, and, and a little more interesting than just like theme park McDonald's junk food. And uh, so, yeah, th- this is a place that does like burgers and chicken sandwiches and and pizzas but instead of it just being the same generic pizza and burgers and french fries and shit you get everywhere at disney it's like specific to this restaurant it's all made in-house it's fresh or whatever so 
When I tried their pizza earlier this year, I was like, hey, this is a different style of pizza. I welcome additional styles of pizza on Disney property. I'm a Disney guy. I'm a pizza guy. Let's make it happen. And it was good, but it wasn't as good as my favorite Disney pizza. You know, the Disney pizza I'm always talking about, the one you get at the resort hotels. So I'm like, good, nice addition, welcome. Okay, we're moving on with life. However, here's the thing. The restaurant's only been open for like less than six months, and they've already changed the pizza recipe. So we go over there. I'm like, okay, what's going on here? Now when you order the pizza, it's like 10 bucks for, you know, a meal, a pizza meal. It's not, you don't get a, a pie. What you get is two large ass slices. You can get cheese, pepperoni, or meatball. And the meatball is like big ass meatballs chopped in half and they just throw them on the pizza. And these are big slices. So it's two big ass slices. I'd say it's about a third of a full large 18 inch pie. And uh, it's like New York style now. So it's thin, it's stupid oily, and it's got a lot, a little bit, like cornmeal-y shit on the bottom. So it's a little... A little like uh, crummy with that stuff, but all all good, all well because this pizza is phenomenal. It is so good. It tastes actually. Actually, here's what I'll say. Uh, for those of you do, who don't live in New York, which I am going to assume is the majority of people listening to this podcast right now, um, for those of you who don't live in New York, you know what I'm talking about when I say like every fucking town, at least in America, like every town in America has got their like local pizza shop where they're like, oh, you love this place. It's called Mamma Mia's. Like I swear like 75% of them are called Mamma Mia's. And they, they're always like, oh, it's Italian style pizza. I swear they get the water from the Hudson River over in New York, man. It's fucking Jersey Shore shit. Everything's good. And then you try it and you're just like, yeah, it's thin style New York pizza, but it tastes like just fine. It's not like exceptional. It kind of tastes the same no matter which one of these restaurants you go to. That's the part that drives me nuts. I don't care if it's the fucking drunken planet pizza at 2 a.m. that you get downtown or if it's the Mama Mia's down the road that does the family chicken and wings deal. Whatever the case is, it's these local fucking New York knockoff American restaurants all throughout the country outside the state of New York that try to be New York pizza but just ended up tasting like just okay borderline mediocrity all the time it's like trying to do that style of pizza but actually succeeding now does it taste exactly like a great new york slice no is new york pizza a little overrated to begin with maybe we should all take a deep breath and realize the italians make much better pizza than the new yorkers yes that's that's a tangent this pizza is very, very good. It is significantly better than your average local fucking St. Louis wannabe New York style pizza, wherever you're getting your pizza from. It is way better than that shit. It is stupid greasy and oily, which is a good thing. And the and the cheese is super yummy. It's fat, creamy, yummy cheese. Nice, hearty sauce that doesn't taste canned and shitty as hell. The crust is solid. Very good chew to it. But also not that cardboard. That's the, th the thing I hate is when people try to do New York crust, New York style pizza, and then you get to the crust, and it's not the texture. I don't, I don't mind the hard chew. I like that. It's the flavor just being so godforsaken bland. And this doesn't have it. There's a lot of flavor in this dough. There's a lot. Of, you get a lot of yeastiness, a little sweetness. It's good. It's good dough. So I'm all on board with it. This pizza is good shit. Now. Does it replace the, the 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 place in my heart where I keep my traditional Disney Resort style thick frozen pizza? No, that pizza's god tier. No one will ever be able to touch it. But is it a beautiful welcome addition to the Disney uh, generally historically lacking pizza repertoire? Absolutely, it's phenomenal, and I welcome it, and I will have it again and again. The fact that I can go to my favorite theme park in the world and have this pizza anytime I want. That's just how you know God exists. Uh, the other thing I'll say to that is this is probably the first time Disney's put up a pretty good fight in the pizza game versus Universal because Universal up the road, say what you will about how Disney's better. Yes, they are better. Got to give Universal credit with their pizza game because Universal does pretty much 
no pun intended, universally across all their pizza spots on property, damn good quick service pizza. I, I went on a tour of most of the pizza places at Universal, and I've consistently been been impressed with their output. Uh, Disney is generally lacking because while Disney has the best pizza, they have the, their overall um, variety of good pizzas is, is pretty lacking compared to Universal. So this, I'll take it as a win. It's another great, it is the second great pizza on Disney property. Yeah, man, I'm hooked. Epcot pizza, let's fucking keep it going, baby. Maybe in one of these days, we'll get like, I don't know, Epcot Chinese takeout that will be good and not overpriced. I'm looking at you, Nine Dragons. All right, that's it for what I've been eating. Let's talk about what I've been playing because I think there's something I've been playing this week that is uh, a lot of you have probably been playing. Even though people like to hate on Call of Duty, the Modern Warfare 2 beta took place this past weekend, and I know a lot of you have been playing it. And guess what? I'm here to say it's good shit. Stop being mean. Stop hating on Call of Duty because it's popular. You're not building a brand for yourself by hating on Call of Duty. You're just being a grump. Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 is beta. Uh, I guess it technically happened two weeks ago if you're an elite, fair PlayStation gamer who uh, has marketing deals exclusive to PlayStation, which uh, I, I think uh, PlayStation would deem as an adequate um, deal, but... For us Xbox players, we had to wait until this past weekend. Now, normally I'm not a pre-orderer. I don't support pre-order culture. I pre-ordered this game because it's Call of Duty. I, I know Call of Duty. I generally always like them. I want to play the campaign a week early, and I wanted access to the beta uh, a day or two early. So I pre-ordered it, and I, I'll tell you what. I've been hooked all weekend. I've been playing the Modern Warfare 2 beta. A lot of people complaining about the footsteps are too loud. The movement feels a little clunkier and slower. Um, something about enemy sight visibility or some shit like that. I haven't really run into any of these problems. I will say, in defense of the of the of the criticism, yeah. When I picked when I first picked up the game, I was like, this does feel a little. Your character does feel a little bit more brick like than than typical Call of Duties. But I'll be honest, after like an hour of playing, I completely forgot. It just felt super normal, regular Call of Duty. It does feel slower. Infinity Ward's Call of Duty games have traditionally, or at least historically, since you know the last Modern Warfare, felt a little more quote-unquote tactical and slow pace they try to do the whole like take cover behind objects and you can peek out and all those kinds of things they added a clamber mechanic which i know people are a little split on i honestly it's kind of hard to use it's rare you can use it it's hard to master so it's one of those things where it's like i never successfully used it i didn't really see other people using it on me we'll see where that goes a year from now but um i gotta be honest if you liked modern warfare 2019 I don't see why you wouldn't like Modern Warfare 2022 or Modern Warfare 2 or whatever we're going to call it, right? This game is good. It's fun. And the maps, I'll, I'll say this, the maps that were in the beta, significantly better than the Modern Warfare 2019 maps. I thought the map design overall is a big improvement. Um, that's actually the most glowing thing I can say about it. Otherwise, a lot of UI differences. The UI kind of sucks, especially if you're trying to like modify your classes and build out your guns. Um, that sucks. It, it does... I saw this somewhere on, on Twitter, and I absolutely agree with it. The UI for, like, the um, guns loadout and everything absolutely looks like it was designed for mobile devices in mind, like touchscreens. And maybe that has something to do with the new Warzone mode that's coming to iOS and Android later this year. I, I don't know. But, um, yeah, the UI is ass. But once you're in the game, the important part, the game is it's fun. It's good Call of Duty fun. You could get up to level 30 in, in the... Um, in the beta, I think I got to like 24 or 23. And then I also downloaded it on my PC and played it a bunch there. Probably got to like level 15 or so on PC. We streamed it all day on all night on Saturday. It was a lot of fun. I, I don't know. I got, I got to tell you from my personal perspective, I had a great time. I can't wait for this game now. I'm really looking forward to it. Really looking forward to the campaign in just a couple of weeks here. Uh, yeah, I'm all in on Modern Warfare 2. I I, I think we're kind of just in this, this situation where COD 
COD can't win in, 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 I'm just speaking specifically in terms of like the optics battle, the gamer conversation battle. It's just, everyone is just so cool because they all hate COD. And obviously this game is probably going to be the best selling Call of Duty game. If not top three best selling Call of Duties of all time, it's going to be widely uh, enjoyed and, and played by many, many thousands, millions of people. And the truth of the matter is it's just, it's just one of those things where you got to drown out all the noise of all the guys who are trying to sell you on fucking Elden Ring back in February who are too cool for Call of Duty now and just enjoy this game if it's something you enjoy. Just have a good time. If you know yourself, you know your taste, you know you've traditionally enjoyed Call of Duties, especially if you knew you liked uh, the 2019 Modern Warfare game, I think you're in for a treat. This game's a lot of fun. And, you know, assuming that the rumors, the strongly believable rumors are true, that this is the next, the Call of Duty game we're going to have for the next two years because next year they're taking a year off, I think this is a great Call of Duty to do that with. Now, you, you know me, you know I'm a Black Ops man, you know I'd rather have a Black Ops for two years than a Modern Warfare for two years, but this looks like it's shaping up to be a really good Modern Warfare, and so I'm 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 happy to have this be the next game we play Call of Duty wise for two years rather than like Vanguard. It's definitely a big step up from Vanguard, and I didn't hate Vanguard. It's just significantly worse than what Treyarch and Infinity Ward do. Uh, last thing I will say about it, this is like the little disclaimer, I guess. Maybe I should have put at the top. Keep in mind, this is generally the case with Call of Duty games where the beta comes out, it's a shit ton of fun for a weekend or two, and then the game comes out a month or two later, it's a shit ton of fun for a week or two, and then people start learning how to exploit the game and get really good at the game and learn all the cool classes and the best way to customize the shittiest gun in the game to piss everyone off. So wait to the point where the riot shields are in and for some fucking reason there's a crossbow pistol that's really good for some dumb reason and everyone's got like the Drake or the Bad Bunny skin on Warzone that they're dressing up as and then you're just getting fucking spawn killed left and right. I'm sure when we inevitably get to that place in maybe December or so, we will all be like, fuck my Modern Warfare 2, I hate this game, but what I'm saying is right now, until then, I had a really good time with Modern Warfare 2's beta, and I'm looking forward to more, especially the campaign, because Modern Warfare 2019 had a really fun campaign. So that is the big thing I've been playing this this uh, this past week. A little sad, because on Monday, I thought we had one more day of the beta, so I came home from work, super excited to stream one more night of the Modern Warfare 2 beta. I get on, and it's like, the beta ended at 4 p.m. today. I'm like, I'm going to hurt myself. So we ended up playing Halo Infinite instead, and honestly... I love that new big team battle fiesta mode on Halo. It's so good. So we had a good time there as well. Uh, the other thing I've been playing, I've been playing some more Splatoon 3. They had a, they had a Splatfest this weekend, so I did that, but uh, we won't have to talk about that. The other thing I was playing this week was Wolong Dynasty, the uh, new Team Ninja game that is coming day one to game pass when it comes out i think next february so the demo is out i know a lot of you guys were talking about it. i saw some people uh, who listen to the show that i follow on twitter were talking about it and um yeah i ran into the experience a lot of people were having with this game which is i would boot up the demo i'd be like let's fucking go i would encounter an enemy and then slash my sword and then pff, the game would crash and go back to the dashboard i was like well that sucks so i, I had to try the game like three times before it ran properly and then by the time I finally got in, I was like, ah, this game is definitely a Souls-like type game where it's like, oh, I, I, sh I, the second enemy I encountered killed me and sent me back to my last checkpoint. And I don't know how I feel about it entirely, but I got to be honest, the actual moment-to-moment -moment combat in this game feels a little more fast and fluid than what I'm used to, like the, the two times I've ever even held a controller in a Souls game. And the game looks great. There's something about it. I, and I know it's hypocritical because it's like Jesse. How do you see a game like Wolong Dynasty and then just immediately go, yeah, I can say I can say no to all the Souls type games that come out every year, all year, all the time. You know, I can look at 
Elden Ring and fucking Neo and Dark Souls and Demon Souls and Bloodborne and Sekiro and all these games and just be like, mm, pass, pass, pass. And then for some arbitrary reason, Wolong comes along and I'm just like, this is the one where I'm going to give it a try. <laughs> and, and I don't, I can't, I can't explain myself. I can't defend myself either. It just is what it is. So the only explanation I have, this one is just intriguing me. And I got to be honest, after playing a little bit, I'm like, I want to like this game because that combat is good. It, like it feels good, but I can already tell it's going to whoop my ass with the difficulty. So I don't know. I'm still definitely going to give it a try when it comes out. It's on game pass. Hopefully the full release doesn't crash constantly like the demo is, but I, I know damn well, this is a game that's like, I I'm probably going to be like cool game. Got uh, rage quit after the second hour. That's kind of where I'm assuming I'll fall on this, but, um, Man, Liza P is the other one in the genre where it's just like, I have to like Liza P. That game looks so good. But that's what I've been playing this week, guys. Um, feel free to let me know the games you've been playing or if you've been playing either of those games, let me know what you thought about them. I'm, I'm particularly interested to see what you guys had to say about uh, Modern Warfare 2's beta because I know some people who listen to the show do play Call of Duty and aren't just random Call of Duty haters for the sake of trying to be cool on Twitter. So I would love to hear your genuine thoughts and takes on the game, even if you didn't like it because that is a possibility as well. And with that all said, we are going to jump now into the proper news segment. 53 minutes in, baby. We're making terrible timing. All right. Our first news story of the week. This was the biggest news story last week that we couldn't cover because I was out of town, and so now we're going to cover it now. So apologies if you feel like you've heard the story to hell and back from all your favorite YouTubers and podcasts that, you, that you've listened to and consumed over the past week plus, but... We can't just not talk about it because it's a fucking huge story. And of course, I'm referring to Sonic Frontiers, new trailer, baby, Super Sonic in the game. Come on, let's fucking go. No, not actually talking about that. Just kidding. Although to me, that's more important news. Uh, of course, I'm talking about GTA 6 and the leaks surrounding it that happened last Sunday. All right, let's just get into it real quick. I'm not going to belabor the point too much with like the actual behind the scenes with the hacker and all that because I just want to talk about the game, but we'll, we'll touch on it. VGC relays over 90 alleged videos of the uh, from a development build of Grand Theft Auto 6 have leaked onto social media. First posted on the GTA forums by user Hacker. Footage includes open world gameplay, which allegedly is from GTA 6 and appears to be legitimate. It's claimed that the leaker in the videos were downloaded from Slack. Now, of course, we all know these are legitimate. At the time the story was written, we didn't know. Uh, or I, it was it would be bad reporting to assume when there was no confirmation at the time. Continuing on, the leaked build confirms that the previously reported or previously reported that the game would take place in Vice City. This confirms all that. Bloomberg reported earlier this year that the game, which began development sometime around 2014, is at least two years away. Rockstar's next game, Grand Theft Auto 6, would include a playable female protagonist, Bloomberg adds, citing sources familiar with the game. The woman, who is Latina, will be one of a pair of leading characters in a story influenced by bank robbers Bonnie and Clyde. The people said developers are also being cautious to not punch down by making jokes about marginalized groups, the people said in contrast to previous games. This is reflected in the leak in the alpha build, which features both playable male and female character, although these models could be placeholders for this stage in the development. A YouTube video of the leaked build shows a character running out of a store during a shootout with the police. This is one of the longest pieces of footage that come from the leak, and most of them are only a few seconds long here or there. Another YouTube video shows a female character walking through a strip club, which is densely packed with NPCs. An advert for P. Wasser, I guess that's some kind of GTA beer, can also be seen in the clip adding to... Uh, the legitimacy of the leak footage of a character walking around through the quote unquote vice city Metro train station has been posted, adding to the evidence that the game will take place in a Miami inspired location. 
The user who posted the initial leak on the GTA forums also claims that the source code of GTA 6 and 5, I'm sorry that they have the source code of both those titles, and they are threatening to publish them in full. They have posted snippets and screenshots, but VGC cannot verify the legit. whatever, we know it's all legitimate now. They have also claimed to have a test build of the game that they could release should they desire. Now, let's real quick just talk on where, that was initially the story. Let's talk on where that happened, what, like what further went on with Rockstar commenting on it and the discovering of who the hacker was and how that went down. So Rockstar quickly responded to the leaks and said in a statement on their social media channels that they were, quote, extremely disappointed to have the details of the game shared this way and claimed that the leak would not delay the project. Now, further reading on the story, the UK police have arrested a 17-year-old Oxford, uh, sorry, Oxfordshire uh, uh, on suspicion of hacking, and it's been claimed that it's in relation to the GTA 6 hack. City of London police said that they, the arrest took place on Thursday, last Thursday evening, and that the suspect remains in custody. Citing the source said to be familiar with the matter, journalist Matthew Keyes claimed that the arrest was related to the Rockstar hack and possibly an Uber security breach as well, a driving service Uber. Keyes said that the arrest was made in concert with the investigation being conducted by the FBI. Yes, the actual FBI got involved in this investigation. Police expected to give more details on the arrest of a 17-year-old Rockstar Games hacker. Uh, posted in a statement from the FBI let a letter that was released after the arrest. However, not long after all this information, the 17-year-old reported who was reportedly arrested on suspicion of hacking Rockstar Games and Uber uh, pleaded guilty to the charges of computer misuse. Appearing at a specialist London youth court, the teenage boy denied using his mobile phone for hacking purposes. However, City of London police arrested the teenager in Oxfordshire last week and charged him with two counts. We just talked about that. The teen, who is said to be an associate of a hacking group called Lapsus was also reportedly arrested earlier this year for hacking both Microsoft and NVIDIA. In one of the game's industry's most high-profile data leaks, more than a half-hour GTA 6 development footage was published online this month via an anonymous user posting on the GTA forum's website. They claim to have obtained the leaked assets via an internal Slack channel that were said to also be behind the Uber data breach. Now, it is important to note that this hack was such a massive deal. Rockstar was D, was it DMCA or whatever, striking anyone and everything that had anything related to this. The entire Grand Theft Auto uh, Reddit page was taken down for a while. Like it was huge backlash initially to this, and I guess that's kind of where we should focus the core on this of this discussion. Because I'll be honest, I woke up Sunday morning and saw that this had happened. I was like, no fucking way, and immediately clicked on the video that was linked to me. I saw it on Twitter. I was like, let me just immediately open this up because this shit will not. Stay on the internet for long it's gonna be harder to find later on so let me just watch this right now and see what's going on and this is the only thing i watched which was that long i don't remember how long it was like four minute video or whatever the the the, the reported uh the rumored female protagonist and she's in what looks to be like a diner or some kind of restaurant and she's like holding them up she's she's robbing the store and like all the all the patrons are like at their tables like freaking out because they're being robbed and like the staff is there freaking out they're like what do you want and, and you know your character's walking around with her gun and she's like pointing it at people and they're like please don't shoot me and all this shit and then the police show up and she leaves the restaurant and then the police are like fighting her and she's running away anyway i, I saw this clip and immediately this was my immediate response was wow this looks like more grand theft auto but set in vice city this looks great. I'm actually excited for Grand Theft Auto for the first time in a very long time. 
Now, obviously, this is an alpha build. There's like code and shit all over the screen. The character models, some of them are placeholder models. It doesn't look phenomenal, but it actually doesn't look bad. And what we later learned was this build is reportedly from 2019. This is not a current 2022 build of the game. So knowing that this is a three-year-old build of the project and the game is still two years out from being released and it looked as good as it did, honestly, my takeaway is like, hey, this game looks pretty damn good. I'm excited for the next Grand Theft Auto game. And looking around the internet, seeing how people responded to this, that seems to be the overwhelming response from most people. It's like, Hey, we saw GTA 6 early. I'm excited for GTA 6. Let's 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 go. Let's get this game out the door. Like people are people are excited about the next Grand Theft Auto game. And this is something incredibly notable, especially in stark contrast to something like Halo Infinite, which was intentionally shown um, in July 2020, where it was at the time supposedly four months away from being launched. And the game looked like, well, the game didn't look like ass, but it looked rough around the edges. Let's not lie about it. And people gave 343 and Microsoft and Xbox absolute hell for that. No one was nice about it. And the the Craig memes came out of it. And people still this day are like, oh, PlayStation's awesome. Xbox games look like ass. And it's like, whatever, right? So I understand from Rockstar and Take-Two's perspective how they're like, oh, God, this is a bad look. We don't want our game leaking out, showing pre-release footage that doesn't look polished up and pretty and obviously you know it's your game you want to be able to control the message and I don't really give so much a shit about you know take two and the publisher but more so the developers I do feel for them because it's like that's your passion project that's something you're working hard on and you, you want to make sure that you're able to control how and when the public can see it so you can kind of like show off your passion project and your hard work in a more uh, shining attractive light so I, I do feel for the developers in that regard but here's the thing is take two and rockstar are very aggressive about like we will find this person we will use the full extent of the law to pursue them we will take down anyone who publishes or reposts these videos or talks about them online whatever i listen i understand it like you you want to set a precedent so other people don't fuck with you you want to go super hard on this legal so that next time someone tries to pull some shit like this, they see how incredibly, um, how incredibly merciless you were on this fucking kid, and they'll think twice about trying to hack your system or leak your shit. So I, I get that they want to set the example. Where I think it's a little egregious is how Rockstar and Take Two kind of acted like, oh my god, no, the game leaked. This is so, this is so bad for us. It's like, dude, look at any media outlet, look at any YouTube comment, look at any tweet surrounding this leak. Pretty much universally, people were like, hey, GTA 6 looks fucking cool. Like, I'm I'm looking forward to this game. And I feel like they kind of dropped the ball a little bit, Take 2, and particular, particularly Rockstar, by not just being like, you know what? It is what it is. This sucks. This isn't how we would have shown the game or when we would have showed it. But let's just fucking say hell with it and make the most of it. Because clearly the audience reception is like excitement and hey this looks pretty good so what they i think what they could have done slash should have done would have been to just take that footage and then like call call a small team of you know some prominent members of the of the development project and be like hey let's put you in a vo booth for an hour and play this footage and you guys can talk about it be like just release like a release like a 10 minute video on youtube of the developers just showing the footage and being like hey guys uh, unfortunately earlier this week you guys saw that some some footage of the game leaked and obviously we weren't planning on that we were really excited to show you the game um hopefully in the next year or so uh, but you know unfortunately things do happen and we're not excited. We're not happy that it happened, but since that's the case, we figured now would be a great time. You know, since the footage is out there and you can't erase stuff on the internet, uh, we figured that we would take some time to show you what we've been working on and go over some of this. And that way, they can kind of 
not only damage control and, and be like, well, the reason why the NPCs look like ass, the reason why there's code all over the screen is because this is a build, an in-development build from 2019, and they can use it as an opportunity to teach their audience a little bit, be like, hey, this is kind of what games look like behind the scenes, you know, when they're three years into development, and, and this is, and whatever, because obviously already people were interested in it. Also, gamers are a little bit of a tech-savvier group of people, generally speaking. So, you know, gamers understand a little bit more of like, yeah, games don't look like fucking beautiful, perfect little masterpieces from the get. You know, obviously, there's rough stages of game development. So people understand this shit. People are willing to forgive and, and, to, and to work with the situation. And, and the fact that... I guess it's just the fact that the public and the reaction from the audience seem to be so like, whoa, this is cool. And that's a rare thing to get from the gaming community, a community of people who are so entitled and so so mean-spirited. That's a rare response to get. So the fact that you got that response and Rockstar and, and Take-Two handled it by being like, oh no, our fucking game got leaked. Fuck you guys. We're so pissed about this. It's like you're kind of missing a beautiful opportunity that you have that most most developers and most publishers would kill to have. You know, you could just totally win some style points. People would be like, yo, Rockstar, those guys are kind of cool. They're kind of, you know, like they like a shitty thing happened to them and they played it off cool. They they used it and turned it into a marketing opportunity to be like, yo, the, yeah, unfortunately this shit leaked. Let, let's just talk you through what we got here and what and what leaked because obviously you can't unsee it. So we might as well give you a little bit of a behind the scenes peek at this game we were working on. I know it's not how Rockstar traditionally does their games. They like to work in silence and and have everything top secret. And then when they're like a, a, a year or less out from release, then they go all out and they drop a trailer. They drop a fucking screenshot here or there. And they're just like, here's a little taste of what we're working on. See you in six months when the final game is out. I get that that's how Rockstar likes to operate. But unfortunately, this, this one's out of their hands at this point. And I feel like they just didn't handle the response as well as they could have. You know, like, can you imagine what it would have been like if Halo Infinite had leaked instead of being properly shown and that Craig meme and all that shit hadn't happened, but rather people were just like, damn, this, I mean, obviously it's a work in progress, but this game's looking cool. Open world Halo. You know, it's like, that would have been an awesome opportunity for 343 and Microsoft to have been like, oh, you think that's cool? Yeah, I mean, like, here's what we're working on. Uh, Halo Infinite. Yeah, it's um, we'll have more to say about it in about a year or so. But instead, <laughs> Halo, I mean, Microsoft had the exact opposite situation where they intentionally showed the game and people were like, yo, your game looks like ass. So I don't know. I, I feel like to get the goodwill of the gaming community is not an easy thing. And the fact that they got it despite this unfortunate event that happened to them. That was that was a marketing slash goodwill opportunity completely botched, in my opinion. But that being said, I, I don't know what else to say. I don't, I don't think the game looks bad at all. Like, I haven't been excited about Grand Theft Auto since GTA 5 came out in 2013. So, you're like, I, I'm ready for GTA 6. I want to go back to Vice City. I think the female protagonist looks cool. I'm excited to play as her and learn her story and, and fucking see all the crazy shit that they get into. You know, I, I have my reservations about trying to, uh, quote unquote, not punch down in Grand Theft Auto, a fucking f series about everything is on the table. I don't care how, you know, I don't care how white, black, gay, straight, whatever you are. Like if you are a person and you live in America, you are a target for criticism and satire and commentary because that's what Grand Theft Auto is. That I have a little bit of like a, not even a, necessarily a problem with, but more of a, I'm just apprehensive a little bit about it because I'm like, hmm, I don't want GTA to potentially sacrifice its own signature charming humor in an attempt to appease a group of people that may or may not be upset about something. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. I'm not going to pass a judgment on that until I played the game and we've seen what the final product is like. But I'll, I'll say this, seeing these couple minutes of leaked footage, my only takeaway is like, 
that looks like signature Grand Theft Auto. This character looks cool. The setting looks cool. The gameplay looks fun. Like it's it's next gen GTA. Let's go. So I don't know, man. I'm I'm really looking. For, I'm really high on all this. I'm looking forward to it. I'm glad to see a lot of people. You know, despite this not being a planned thing, you know, seem to be have a pretty positive takeaway. I don't, I don't know. This is from, from the perspective of someone who's just going to play the game and enjoy it. This is a pretty positive leak, I guess. Not, not so much for take two in uh, rockstar. And obviously I don't condone the actions of leaking something like this, this little twerp. Of course he's British. Of course he's fucking British dude coming over here, trying to colonize Western games, American games. That's what they do. That's what they do best. It's all they know how to do. Um, but no, all joking aside, like that little twerp is a fuck boy. Like obviously like, I, 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 he should be held accountable for his actions. I don't give a shit that he's under 18. Like, put him in jail, whatever. Don't do that shit. I am not in favor for taking away something so secretive and, and that so many people have poured so much of themselves into and then taking that satisfaction, that control away from the creators to be able to share their project on their own time. Like, we're not entitled to GTA. We're not... I know it's been a long-ass time since GTA Five came out. It's 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 kind of a, a absolute, absolute joke how long it's been. But none of us as consumers are entitled to a special look at GTA. None of us are entitled to an update and why it's been so long and a, a gameplay reveal and screenshots. And there was a lot of that, like, well, this is what you get for waiting so long to make another Grand Theft Auto game. Fuck off, dude. Like, n- like Take-Two and Rockstar don't owe us a sequel to Grand Theft Auto. They chose to make it. Obviously, it makes shit tons of money. Of course, they're going to. But they chose to make this game. It is a creative project. And, the, you know, it's, this isn't, like, the cure for cancer or, like, a solution to homelessness. This isn't something like, stop stalling and get this shit out to the public. You know, it's a fucking piece of entertainment. Calm the hell down. Play one of the other 7.9 trillion games that came out this year, um, despite it being a slow year, still having a million games to play. And, and just wait patiently. Grand Theft Auto will be here at some point. But I'm sure you guys, like I said, have heard a lot about that story over the past week, so we will move on. Um, but yeah, my, my general takeaway is like, hey, Grand Theft Auto 6 looks pretty good. Next up, let's talk about uh, Microsoft and further acquisitions because they're still talking about this. Microsoft's head of gaming, CEO of gaming, I should say, has said that the company is open to making further acquisitions as it looks to turn Xbox into a major player in the industry. A CNBC interview, Xbox Phil Spencer was asked whether Microsoft intends to pause the acquisitions or um, while it waits for regulatory approval to be completed on the Activision Blizzard merger, to which he said, this is such a competitive market, I don't think we get to press pause on anything. Quote, Tencent is the largest gaming company on the planet today, and they continue to heavily invest in gaming content and game creators. Sony is the largest business, uh, is, is a larger business than we are in gaming today, and they continue to invest. When you look at the investments that we've made, it's highly, highly competitive in this market. We strive to be a major player here. We want to deliver great content for our players. We're going to remain active, whether it's investing in our internal teams or or that we've already been building great games for uh, the people that they know and love, whether it's building... or whether it's building new partnerships. God damn, I can't read. Spencer was speaking from Japan, where he's currently attending TGS. He continues on, One of the things I love about coming here to Tokyo is that the developers I get to meet with, the new partnerships we have with people like Kojima Productions, they're going to take, uh, they're going to talk with some of our existing publishing partners and independent creators about games that they want to build. And if it turns into an acquisition for M&A, for M&A, Merchants and Acquisitions work, we're active 
uh, there too. So the work for us never ends. It's a competitive market, and I want to make sure that Xbox is at the forefront of innovation uh, and competition. Now, obviously, we know about the scrutiny that the Activision deal is under in the U- in, in Europe and all that, and PlayStation's all salty because they think only they deserve exclusive games and that everything that Xbox owns should come to PlayStation or else it's not fair. And Jim Ryan was kicking and screaming and sucking his thumb about it. And uh, I know I sound like such an Xbox fanboy when I say that, but I, I swear that's that's not coming from an Xbox fanboy perspective. It's coming from the perspective of just what a fucking bitch Jim Ryan was for saying that. But anyway, um, <laughs> so here's the thing is I, I'm about to sound like a huge hypocrite because I know at the beginning of the year when the acquisition deal with Activision Blizzard was announced, I was like, listen, I am not for mergers and acquisitions at all. I want the industry to remain as independent as humanly possible. I want Microsoft to cultivate natural, to incubate um, organic brand new teams from the ground up. I want Tencent to go fuck itself. I want PlayStation to continue to work on their great independent games. I want everyone to continue to operate independently. Keep Ubisoft separate from Activision, separate from EA. Just let's let's have as many players competing in the space as humanly possible and try not to consolidate it all. Unfortunately, obviously, that's very idealistic, and we all know that's not the way this was going to go. We all knew that it was not the way this was going to go, and obviously... In the months since this deal was announced, we have only seen 8.6 billion studios, teams, publishers, whatever, merge and get acquired and fucked over this way, that way. And so here's what I'm here to say, because every week I sit down in this in front of my computer to this fucking microphone, and I hope and pray to God that I can just sit here and talk to a bunch of like-minded people who all enjoy Xbox and be like, Hey guys, really excited to tell you about how much I love Halo this week. Hey guys, really excited to tell you about what a great time I had playing the latest Sonic the Hedgehog adventure. But unfortunately, I don't get to do that. Every fucking week I sit here and I pull up Video Games Chronicle, VGC, and and I'm like, what's the news? And the news is like, Tencent bought your mom. Tencent made made you dinner and it's laced with lead poisoning. And fucking Tencent owns McDonald's. And Tencent, uh, they they are actually the ones behind the, 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 the vaccine for COVID and you probably shouldn't get it anymore. And it's just like, God damn it, dude. Tencent, do me a favor and fuck off. Like, literally go into the ocean, to the depths of the ocean, and drown yourselves because no one wants you here. But unfortunately, we don't have control over that, and it's going to keep happening. And so at this point, even though I don't love the precedent this sets and the implication for where this takes gaming into the future, I don't love it at all. From where I'm standing, I'm like, fuck it. Microsoft, you have the money just buy the whole goddamn industry. Just fucking do it. Because I'd rather everything be a poorly managed studio that can't get a game out the door for shit and that's on Game Pass day one and it's all homogenized. I don't care. Let's do all of that if Tencent can't have it. That's that's all I want at this point. Because Sean Layden, from play, former PlayStation guy, um, head of PlayStation Studios, one of the most brilliant minds in the games industry. Like Honestly, he hasn't worked at PlayStation for quite a while now. But he was... Just an incredible force during the most productive and inspiring years at PlayStation. This man just fucking took a massive deal to go work with Tencent. Rich as hell, doesn't need the money, no excuse, absolute scumbag move. The dude just fucking takes a bunch of money from Tencent to go work from them and start up a new team and do all this shit. I'm fucking tired of it. So, Phil Spencer, I know you're not looking for it. Sachi Nadella, I know you're not asking for it. You have my blessing. Just buy the entire goddamn industry, not to be mean to Sony, not to be mean to Nintendo, not to be mean to fucking Ubisoft or any of the guys. I just want Tencent to not have access to anything. Embracer Group, 
get prepared because I'm about to make a personal email sent directly to Microsoft that's probably not going to get read. And I'm going to say, dear Microsoft, please buy Embracer Group so Tencent doesn't get any more involved. Also, Tencent is bad and I don't like ketchup on my cheeseburgers. And I will send that email and I will feel I will feel vindicated for doing so. But but all joking aside, Phil Spencer's right because what he says where it's like and we all we all feel it. I feel like I definitely feel it. I feel like that's a great question to ask. It's like Microsoft, are you guys going to chill out on the acquisitions now that it's like there's all this scrutiny with the Activision deal and you guys kind of are just a little bit in the hot seat and there's kind of some talk surrounding like um, monopolizing the market and whether or not you guys should really be buying all these studios. Are you going to slow down while you wait for that to all pass over before you continue to buy the next studio? And Phil Spencer's like, bro, we can't afford to because if we take three months off of buying studios, the next time we turn, we fucking blink and turn our heads, Tencent will own 55% of fucking Ford Motor Company. Like we can't do anything about it. So they, they have to buy. It's like it's, you either become a smaller player by not participating or you become a big player by participating. And last time I checked, Microsoft has more than enough money and, and, and power to participate. So why wouldn't they? Why the fuck wouldn't they? And for the first time, again, I don't love it. In a perfect world, everything would be independent. And there'd be plenty of competition. And every game and every studio and every publisher would have such a unique independent identity from one another. But that world isn't possible because that world, it makes too much fucking sense for us to be able to do it. So instead, we have to get this universe where there are three companies and you can work for one of the three and you have no say in anything and they own absolutely everything. And so if I if that's the world we got to live in, if that's the game we got to play, I'm just here to say... Let's stack the fucking cards again. It's basically like how Americans view Democrats. No one in this country likes the Democratic Party. We just want to vote against the Republicans. And that's no offense. I know there are plenty of good individual people who are identified with the Republican Party. I mean, no disrespect to you. They don't vote for Democrat candidates because they think they're good candidates. They vote for them because they're voting against some other shitbag because the system is so entirely fucked everywhere you go. That's like, you don't have any direct control over what you want to see happen. You just have power slight tiny little droplets of power to vote against things you don't want to see that's all you that's all you can do and that's what we're seeing basically happen in the games industry i don't want to see the ccp own fucking super mario brothers i don't want to see chris pratt do a world premiere of the mario brothers movie in shanghai doing fucking like fortnite dance and all that crap because everything is owned by tencent i, I that's not a world i want to live in if that's the case fucking hurricanes on the way right now just let's let's be done with it but anyway I, <laughs> I think Phil Spencer's got a great point here, and I don't like to admit it because at the end of the day, I, I, I'm not trying to represent me being on green team. I'm, I'm trying to be honest. I don't like corporations having all the power. And Microsoft, for as much as I love my Surface Pro and as much as I love my Xbox and as much as I miss Windows Phone, I don't want Microsoft to have that much power. I don't think they're that great, and I don't think they're to be trusted that much. I don't think anyone is to be trusted that much. But unfortunately, of of the the few players we have in in the in the roster, th this is the one I want to see go up to bat because fuck Tencent. All right. Also, guys, play Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. The beta was really fun. Next up, EA. Two EA stories this week that are like, ooh, interesting. EA's Motive Studio has confirmed that they are working on a new Iron Man game. Developed in collaboration with Marvel Games, the single-player third-person action adventure title is currently in pre-production phase. 
The game's development team is led behind executive producer Oliver Prolux, Prolux? Uh, French, uh, who previously worked on Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy over at Eidos Montreal. Quote, we are thrilled to be collaborating with the talent at Motive Studios to bring their original vision of Marvel Games' most important, powerful, beloved character, uh, said Marvel Games Vice President, Creative dire uh, Director Bill Roseman. Roseman. Uh, their experience delivering both established entertainment, entertaining worlds and thrilling gameplay combined with their authentic passion for armored the armored icon will fuel our quest to deliver a love letter to legendary hero himself, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Motive, who previously developed Star Wars Squadron and are working on the EA Dead Space remake and also made the campaign for Battle, Battle Star Wars Battlefront 2 in 2018. Anyway, that's those guys. They uh, said, quote, it's an honor and privilege to have the opportunity to make a video game based on one of the most iconic superheroes in the entertainment industry. We will just move on because we don't Whatever, they're excited. EA said that the Iron Man project is the first of several new games being created through a collaboration with Marvel. Keep that in mind. EA said this is the first of several new Marvel games that they are working on. Ah, thank God they don't have exclusive rights to Marvel the way they did with Star Wars for a long time because that would suck. The company also reportedly is making a single-player open-world Black Panther game, which we've been rumoring but we have not seen. It has not been announced. It was recently claimed that the project is in the early stages of development, and studio head of former Monolith Production boss Kevin Stevens is working on it. And if you don't remember who Monolith Production is, just remember those uh, uh, Middle-Earth Shadow of War games. Okay, we're caught up. We're here. We're good. Uh, I have nothing to say to this. <laughs> uh, I played Guardians of the Galaxy. It was a good game. I, I don't really trust Motive that much. I think this, the campaign in Star Wars Battlefront 2 was kind of weak, but I can't tell if that's because Motive isn't capable or because Disney and EA forced them to make this stupid fucking Star Tours game where it was just like, Luke Skywalker's conveniently here, now Leia's conveniently here, now Yoda's conveniently here, and that game kind of sucked. I don't, I don't know if it has something to do with that. Um, I didn't play Star Wars Squadrons. I just wasn't interested, so I can't speak to that game at all. Um, I am looking forward to the Dead Space remake. That looks pretty good. I just, uh, to me, Motive is an unproven developer, so I don't really have any, um, it's not that I don't have confidence, it's just I don't really have any opinion one way or the other with what they can do. Um, however, I, I want an Iron Man game. Like, when I look at all the generic MCU characters that are super popular right now, I want Iron Man. Like, we got a Guardians of the Galaxy game, fine. We got a Avengers game, eh, I think it's buying off a little more than anyone should. Uh, you know, we're getting a, that Black Panther, Captain America, World War II game, which sounds really interesting, if I'm being honest. But, like, you know what I really want is, like, a fun Iron Man game. I I liked those kind of budgety Sega movie tie-in Iron Man games we got for Iron Man's 1 and 2 in, like, 2008 and 2010, I think. And uh, really, since then, we just we just really haven't gotten a proper Iron Man game. In fact, we've never gotten a AAA proper Iron Man game. There was that Iron Man VR game for PlayStation VR, like, a year or two ago. That's it, man. Like, come on, Iron Man is so... I feel like he's so... It's so good. Like, he has missiles. He has, like, fucking power beam gun things. He can fly. It's like, okay. It, it's not and It's not like Superman where it's like he's invincible, so you got to get really creative about how he takes damage. It's like, I feel like you can make a really fun Iron Man game. I just don't... I just don't see why it's taken so long for us to get it. And I, I'm wondering if there's something I'm just missing about the character that makes him inherently difficult. I, I don't think Iron Man has as much potential for a fun game as, like, say Spider-Man, who obviously is the most fun character from comic books to translate into video games because web-slinging around open world is fucking awesome. But um, I, I feel like Iron Man is far from the bottom of the list. Because you think of most Marvel characters, it's like, there's not much you can do with it outside of like a third-person brawling game because most most Marvel characters are like some form of like brawling or dance fighting. You know, you got you got your characters like Captain America and shit or Wolverine. And what can they do? They can throw punches and kicks. And then you got your characters like um, 
like Black Widow or Black Panther, and it's like I, they throw punches and kicks, but a little more like agile and dancey and flimsy and shit. So it's like, yeah, that stuff's fine. Like I like brawlers and action adventure games or whatever, but like. Dude, Iron Man's got, like, guns and shit and can fly and has, like, really expensive technology. So, like, there's a lot of ideas you can play with. Like, Iron Man's very, very techy. So, like, don't even think of it in just in terms of, like, Tony Stark in an Iron Man suit. Think of it like all the fun, like, vehicles that Tony Stark can can build and play with. All the fun, uh, just fucking... I, dude, he, he's like a fucking arms dealer. Stark Industries is a fucking arms dealer. Like, they can just come up with cool weapons and toys to play with. Like, I just feel like there's so much potential with... with, with uh, with Iron Man, it's just never, never been explored somehow, despite the immense success of the MCU, despite the overwhelming response, I think, since 2008, since the MCU began, which is, which is that everyone unanimously agrees that uh, Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man is the best superhero of the MCU, like, no doubt, right? So, like, I just, why, why is this taking so long? That's really all I have to say on it. As far as who the developer is, like, prove to me the game's good. I don't know. Like, show me a fucking gameplay video. Um, EA publishing it. Yikes, you guys thoroughly mismanaged Star Wars. Please don't do that with Marvel. You don't have a trailer. You don't have gameplay. You don't have a release date. You don't have really anything to show. You're just bragging about how you got the deal going. So, like, cool. I'm glad Iron Man's finally getting a game. I just, uh, I don't know how to get excited over a bunch of words on a on a, on a screen, you know? And there's the winds picking up. So let's uh, speed it up. All right. I'm going to skip this one about uh, take two and a just cause director. And we're going to move on to last story of the day, which is another video game announcement. And I don't know what to make of this one either because it is quite interesting. But uh, yeah, EA and Koei Tecmo, two publishers, also very American and a very Japanese publisher, are joining forces to make a new game that was revealed with a gameplay trailer so we can get excited about it for a game called Wild Hearts. They're calling it a new kind of haunt, a hunting game featuring unique crafting mechanics. So this game is incredibly weird to me. A crafting a crafting game. It looks kind of like Monster Hunter meets Minecraft. No, no, not Monster Hunter meets Minecraft. Monster Hunter meets Fortnite because it's like crafting shit as you're battling like in Fortnite. But instead of building like homes and condos and shit, you're building like um, like weapons and items to help you in battle. So really crazy looking game, but I think it looks cool and it's coming out soon. It comes out February 17th for Xbox One, Series X, and S, and PC. Uh, the game looks really good. Uh, I, I don't know. I, it doesn't look really good. Sorry. The game looks really interesting, and I think that's mostly because it's set in feudal Japan, um, where players play as, like, nature-infused beasts called kimono and fight, um, like, this crazy lost ancient technology. So in that case, it has a little bit of, like, a Zelda Breath of the Wild twist to it as well. Um, it looks like just a cross of a bunch of pretty popular games today. It's like Fortnite, Monster Hunter, Zelda, whatever. But uh, it's it's interesting, I guess, to say the least. But what, what has me more interested than the actual game itself is really the publishing team behind it. Now, Koei Tecmo is kind of like one of those Capcom developers where everything just says Koei Tecmo, but they have, I guess, a couple of teams underneath them that that go under Koei Tecmo, but the developer, the main developer is Omega Force, the guys that make like Windbag, Windbag back in the day and like fucking N64 and like um, all those uh, Musou games. And um, I don't know, it's just so weird to see such a Japanese centric publisher that n has no history working with Western developers, working with EA, uh, who has no history really working with Japanese developers. And so I, it's cool. I applaud it. I welcome it. But it's just very, very unique. So the other thing is they're releasing it as one of those EA originals, um, I think is what they call it, 
where it's like their indie development project, kind of like what they did with Hazelight when they made It Takes Two, or like when they made that those Yarny games, um, Unraveled. Um, so it's kind of like in that subsect of EA games, which is also really curious. Now, um, what's that quote I wanted to read? Um, oh yeah, discussing with the uh, the game further in an interview with IGN. This is from VGC talking about IGN. Two of Koei Tecmo's directors, uh, Kotaro Hirata and Takuto Ed. Edagawa discussed how they worked with EA to try and make the hunting game one that would appeal to a global audience. And this is why I think we're seeing this collaboration. They said, our goal of creating a Japanese style hunting game for a new generation remained consistent with the start to finish, but making the core idea of reality was not something that could happen overnight. One challenge we faced was creating something that would have unique universal appeal that would be accepted by players around the world. To achieve this, we went through several prototypes, trial and error over a long period of time. Edagawa added, there are very... Uh, we are very conscious of the fact that we want more people in the West to play our games, and we have received a lot of feedback from EA from a Western perspective on many details, which helped us to where we have adjusted the game. I think that has everything to do with what we're seeing here. I, I think this is EA and Koei Tecmo looking at uh, Capcom with Monster Hunter and seeing how massive Monster Hunter has become in the West. It's always been big in Japan, but now it's really big in the West. And they're saying, we want in on that. We want to be a part of that. And so... This is like Koei Tecmo making a kind of Japanese-centric monster hunting type game, but also being like, EA, can you get lend us your expertise so we can make sure that this is like Monster Hunter World where it can kind of appeal to like Americans and Western audience and kind of using their best of both world knowledge to be like, yeah, we can we can have a competitor because dude, Monster Hunter, um, Monster Hunter World is one of the best-selling games in recent history. That game continues to chart to this... I mean, it slowed down a lot recently, but that game, as well as its big expansion, charted so incredibly high for so long. Millions and millions of copies. I think a lot of these publishers are wanting to get in on that magic. And so that's what we're seeing here is an attempt to compete with that. And, you know, the game, it looks cool. It looks interesting. It's it's not nothing I'm clamoring to play by any means. I don't like building mechanics or crafting mechanics like this like in Fortnite. So, you know, that's whatever. The game looks interesting. I just I just find the the, the team up between Koei Tecmo and EA to be the most interesting part of it all. And now guys, let's round out the podcast by talking about the important enough well, let's we're done with the news, but let's talk about the important enough news. These are stories important enough to make the show but not important enough to warn their own discussions. We got a couple of these. So Windows Central reports that for, to celebrate Halo 3's birthday this past week, 343 announced that they are bringing a full-fledged Forge-made remake of the classic Halo 3 map, The Pit, into Halo Infinite, but it will be rebuilt with a little bit of like a cyberpunk techie neon little slant to it. So it looks really cool. I'm really excited about it. I, I like this map. I don't love this map, but I like this map a lot. I'm nostalgic for Halo 3, of course. So more content to Halo Infinite? Yes, please. Um, remaking some old maps. I think this is something everyone's been asking for. So this is kind of an easy no-brainer, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. It should be out in November. Uh, next up, VGC reports. Uh, Phil Spencer has said that he hasn't given up trying to bring Square Enix games over to Xbox, particularly Final Fantasy XIV, which I, I, I love that Phil Spencer is working hard to try and get more Japanese support on the console. But, yo, Final Fantasy XIV, for as incredibly successful as it is, has been going on for so damn long. I cannot believe. I feel like at this point, it's like, if it's not on Xbox, you're never getting it. But he says that it's still a plan of theirs to try and get it over there one day, so I commend him for that. Next up, Infinity Ward has officially revealed that 
Warzone 2.0 has an has a release date. It is November 16th, and it will start with the first season of Modern Warfare 2. So November 16th, season one of Modern Warfare 2 and Warzone 2.0 will come out. Featuring a new sandbox mode to bring new play spaces, Warzone will be available on Xbox One, XS, PC, Battle.net, Steam, all the good shit. Next up, Microsoft officially availed the new Mineral Camo Xbox controller this week, retailing for $70. The new controller is available online. You can buy it uh, at the Xbox Store. It looks kind of cool. It's like a bluish camo. I'm tired of the Xbox camos. I kind of would rather just do a design lab at this point, but always good to have new options, new variety. I'm sure someone out there is going to be into that. Also, next up, VGC reports an upcoming Far Cry 6 expansion seems to have leaked. The unannounced expansion was reportedly called Lost Between Worlds. It looks to be bundled with the previous uh, game, the previous DLC in a new Game of the Year edition for the for the game. That's according to Agar... I always say his name wrong. Agioron Menti Lumia, whatever, on Twitter, who reported the listing uh, that were added to Xbox and Windows stores before they were made public. Next up, Blaze Blue series creator Toshimichi Mori has left Arc System Works after two decades working at the company, he announced this week. Um, so he will be leaving the Blaze Blue developer. He has not announced where he's going next. VGC reports Microsoft has detailed Xbox's September update, which is rolling out now. New features include a full library revamp and new storage default install options for Xbox consoles, as well as a color customization button for Elite Series 2 controllers, which was previously only available for the PC, ver- uh, for PC but now it's available on console, uh, including the new white version of the Elite Series 2 controller, which is out now. Or this week, maybe it's Friday. It comes out this week. Next up, Gearbox CEO Randy Pitchford said that Tiny Tina's Wonderland has actually done really well, shattered the company's sales targets. And for that, the spinoff is now being uh, taken seriously as a uh, as a sub-franchise that they will continue to invest in with future installments. Next up, Destiny 2 cheat seller Aim Junkies was sued by Bungie last year and is now countersuing alleged uh, Bungie in uh for illegally accessing one of its computers so now i don't even want to get into this this story has been going on for a while but now it's getting really weird bungie was basically suing this this um company that sells cheats and hacks for games like competitive games like bungie and call or like uh destiny and call of duty and now they're counter suing De- bungie the, the the cheats the cheats uh, company is selling is trying to counter sue bungie and it's just become an absolute back and forth mess and I don't, I don't want to get into it. I just want to acknowledge that it's happening. It makes literally no sense. But fuck game junkies because no one likes cheating. You're making games worse for everyone. So you, you're, you're an objective enemy. Finally, VGC reports the popular content creator Jason Gastro, better known as Video Game Dunky. I had no idea that that was Dunky's name. I kind of wish I didn't know that. Anyway, popular content creator Jason Gastro, better known as Video Game Dunky or just Dunky has announced that he's launching a game publisher called Big Mode. Speaking in an announcement video, Gastro said that he was sick of watching from the sidelines what he believes he'll be able to use his reach and experience to, uh, of critiquing video games to help bring promising indie titles to market. I love this. Dude, Video Game Dunkey is one of my all-time favorites. Uh, he, if you aren't subscribed to him, if you don't watch him on YouTube, you're missing out on what I would say is easily like top top 10 best YouTube channels of all time. I, I absolutely adore Video Game Dunkey. I think he's so thoughtful. He's so funny. He's he's just such an entertaining person to watch online. And um, I think this is awesome. I, I love that he's using his clout and his success and everything to try and work on awesome game publishing deals instead of just making money. And I, I don't know fucking what, what do people do on YouTube when they make money? 
What does rice gum do? I don't know. Is he even relevant anymore? Who cares? But that's exciting to me. I'm I'm gonna keep an eye out on on uh, big mode because chances are he'll be able to highlight some pretty interesting games. All right, that's gonna do it for all of our news this week, guys. Normally we wouldn't move this fast, but we are gonna round out now with the comments of the week. Shoutouts, uh, questions from YouTube. You know how it goes. So go over YouTube.com/slash Xbox on Podcast. Click on the latest episode and leave a comment. Say something nice like Jesse. Good job with the show. Keep up the good work. We're we're rooting for you, champ. Or you can be like Jesse. Hurricane's coming for you, and I'll be like. Fuck, that's a little little morbid, but uh, I, we'll, we'll be okay. Calm, calm down. You're not going to get your wish today, okay? Jesse's probably going down from a cheeseburger, not a fucking storm. All right. Sam Torres writes in, talking about balancing your love of gaming with working in the games industry, and writes in and says, Good work. Omar was a great guest. Loved. I do have one takeaway. People who make games, review games, promote games, or any uh, type of reporting on games must love video gaming. Do you think they lo- have the same level of enjoying for gaming once they get into the industry? or over the course of their careers. I picked up on Omar's time being limited through some of his comments, and his desire to play games takes a hit. Glad other people make the games I throw so much time into, but I would never want to trade places. And this is a great uh, great question, Sam. Um, you know what, that's, that's I, I honestly, I want to open the floor to Omar. If you're listening, Omar, and you hear this uh, question, please feel free to write in. I'd love to hear your take, so I'll leave that response to you. But um, speaking from my personal perspective, you know, it's hard because I don't work in the games industry. I, I have a games podcast, but I, I, I trust me, I don't, I don't work in an industry half as cool as gaming. Um, but um, I, yeah, I, I got to say, I I think obviously it's one of those things where it's probably it varies from person to person. But I would assume that depending on your personality type, working in gaming would either be a huge benefit to your love of gaming or a huge detriment. Because I know there are a lot of people where it's like, you know, you work in the games industry, you work with people, you're part of something, you contribute to it, you feel a sense of pride and ownership, and it probably only furthers and fuels that love and passion you have for gaming. I could totally understand how there are people who treat it that way, and how maybe it's like you're kind of into gaming, but working in games industry makes you a big gamer, or it's like, um, no, no, like, yeah, like that. Um, but I gotta say, speaking from my perspective, I, I feel like I'd be the opposite. I feel like, if I worked in the games industry, I'd be so inundated with this one thing all the time that it would probably hinder my love a little bit of gaming. I feel like I'd get sick of it because life would feel a little one note all the time. I could be totally wrong about that, by the way. This is probably partially why I've never pursued anything I love as a career because I've always assumed this would be the case without actually proving that it's the case. But um, I don't know, man. Like I, The experience I always use is like I worked for a... Um, I know it sounds silly to people who don't like follow Disney like this, but um, I worked for a Disney blog for a couple of years, for about three, three plus four years. I don't know, and it's like biggest Disney fan news website actually out there. It's a really, really big site, actually really controversial site for some reason. Um, but anyway, I worked there for a couple of years, and it was a good experience. I'm glad I did because I, I had fun and I learned stuff. Um, but honestly. Ultimately, I, I left working for them. It was mostly volunteer work. I got paid a little bit here and there for some stuff I did, but it was mostly all just a... Uh, oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> cat. Um, it was mostly just, you know, a thing I did to contribute to this website I really enjoyed reading and a way for me to stay connected to Disney theme parks when I couldn't be there all the time. And I got to be honest, when I finally left that website, it wasn't for any reason other than constantly inundating myself with, like, Disney theme parks and news and and trying to treat it like a job, like jobifying it a little bit, kind of, um, it didn't make me hate Disney, but it made me appreciate it less as like, as like a, just a dumb blind guest and fan, you know, 
it's kind of, it's kind of why like I don't there's this whole contingency like the Disney community where like people want to know like oh how did they make that trick work on that ride how do they do that effect where this happens like I don't want to know any of that I don't want to work at Disney I don't want to see the backstage area I don't want to know how they pull off the tricks and the stuff and the shows and their their rides like I just want to be a dumb stupid fucking tourist who goes in there and just eats the fucking processed food and goes that's yummy and then goes and rides the wee wee rides and goes wee and puts their hands up like I just want to have fun and trying to jobify Disney in that way kind of took some of the sheen and the experience and the specialness away from it. And so I always assume for myself that's kind of how I'd be for anything. Like, I, I, I'd be worried to work in games because I love games so much. I wouldn't want to turn – I wouldn't want to turn something like like gaming into like, oh, man, I hate this one guy at work. And, oh, man, I hate the oh, – I'm so stressed out about this one project. And it's like you start to associate this thing where you just want to turn off your brain and play Xbox and have fun. You start to associate it with like I got dead uh, deadlines to meet and people to work with and I don't like this one thing we have to do right now and I'm really stressed about this other thing. And it, it starts to like blur these two things that I don't necessarily want to have connected. And so I feel like maybe I'm just taking your question and making it about something that it isn't, but – I feel like it's really personality dependent. Like for someone like me, I think it would be a bad thing. But um, I, again, if Omar is listening, I'd love to hear your take on this. I, I feel like for some people, this might be this might be a great thing. It's just you know, if you have a really good experience with it, it can really complement your already pre existing enjoyment or love of something else by by adding a communal aspect, a purposeful and a personalized aspect to that that hobby or passion you already otherwise have. But Sam Torres, great question. I love that. Um, next up, uh, Mr. Malg writes in about interview and says, I remember when Omar commented in a while back about working for Xbox. Great to hear that he's gone on to work for Surface Team 2. Also, all that Taco Bell talk, for those who didn't listen, we talked about Taco Bell. All that Taco Bell talk makes me want to do an interview about working at Taco Bell, especially because I know what he means about the beans being a little sus. So, Mr. Malg, I'm going to assume you're saying you worked at Taco Bell and you're saying that you two know I need you guys to talk about the beans because spill the beans about beans Omar was talking a little bit about how he's not entirely sure that the way they prepare beans at Taco Bell is like sanitary or or, or normal or okay or I don't know what exactly he was getting at I didn't I probably should have asked further about it and now you're kind of um you're kind of lending some support to that argument and so now naturally I'm curious What's going on with the with the beans at Taco Bell? We got to have you on the show, Mr. Mag. What's what's going on here? Please let us know. Count Scotula writes in regarding the Infinity or sorry, the Halo Infinite Bonnie Ross situation from the other week. It says, "I've been thinking about the same thing. If Halo sucks, when responding to my argument from two weeks ago when we talked about this, about how um, people are kind of silly to want to remove three four three from Halo." Count Skyler says, I've been thinking the same thing. If Halo still sucks even when Bonnie Ross is gone, what happens next? I also keep seeing people calling for a brand new engine instead of fixing up Slip Space, which is the engine they used to make the game. What a risky undertaking trying to remove an engine if they <laughs> if they make that massive investment to move one to a new engine and the game still sucks, then I guarantee you we're looking at the end of the series for a very long time. I'd personally rather see them slowly fix what we have instead of taking a massive leap of faith on a brand new engine. Whatever happens, it's scary times. I'm hopeful that we will lead this will lead to a positive improvement for the game uh, and series, but this is a slippery slope where we are on now. Count Scotty, I agree. I think people are kind of blowing out of proportion what the issues are at 343 and what needs to be done to fix them. I think the biggest thing we need is for Microsoft to just give them unlimited resources, unlimited money, time, just fuck off, 
and let them hire who they need to hire and do what they need to do to get this right. I think the engine is mostly great. I don't see why people are so bitchy about it. I think um, the, the game's core is absolutely fantastic. We just need more content. Fix up custom games. Add more content. In fact, I, I think it's pretty possible that they're going to try to relaunch this game at some point in the future. And at, at one point in this game's history, they're going to try to introduce local co-op split-screen campaign as like a kind of like when they did with Xbox One with backwards compatibility. We didn't think it was possible. We weren't going to do it, but here it is. I think they might do that one day just to kind of like give a huge like we're all for the gamers and the audience kind of win just because of like it's just I mean it's just ridiculous that they took that away. But um, I, I agree. I think the the thing they need is just resources and time. They don't need switch out the boss, switch out the the engines, take the developer off. It's like. All of those solutions just delay the time it's going to take to fix this game exponentially. It's just silly. But uh, next up, Dead Captain James writes in about Nobody Saves the World and says, I've been sick at home with COVID. I picked up Nobody Saves the World on my Steam Deck, and man, I was not disappointed. It had a really slow start, but once I got in that fourth, in the few f forms, the game blossomed. I really like being the slug the most. Dead Captain James, I hope you're feeling better. It's a while since you've written this comment, so I hope you're feeling much better, uh, but I'm really glad to hear you're enjoying Nobody Saves the World. It is such a phenomenal game. A lot of people say it has a slow start. I don't know why. I was hooked at the game from the from the get, but a lot of people do say it has a slow start, so maybe that's something important to note is that if you're giving the game a try and it's not really resonating with you, um, you know, if you're willing to do so, you might want to stick it out for 30 minutes to an hour before you really let the game sink its teeth into you, but oh, it's such a good game. Still, I think still my game of the year. Uh, recommendation. Mojo writes in and says, Proteus, 100% for the win. Do yourself a favor and play this game if you're into new age retro Doom style games, that is. I think I saw, uh, I think I saw a, yeah, we talked about this on the show a little while ago. This game looks so good. Uh, yeah, it's coming to Xbox now, but it uh, it was on PC already, wasn't it? Or am I thinking of a different game? This game does look good. I will I will be giving this game a go. At some point. God damn it. Too many games to play. Game Pass struggles. Speaking of the devil. Cronky uh, writes in and says, Really interesting episode with Omar. My problem with Game Pass is that stupid voice in my head that tries to tell me to buy a game even though I already uh, am enjoying it on Game Pass. Cronky, I deal with the same thing. Literally this week, Halo Infinite was on sale for 50% off. I was like, I can't believe I haven't bought Halo Infinite yet. I always buy every Halo game. I need to buy this game for $30. I'm like, dude, you have Game Pass. You don't need to buy Halo Infinite. Stop doing this to yourself. And it is annoying. It happens all the time. So frustrating, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it mm, that's how they get you, man. I'm sure that works. I'm sure a lot of people end up buying games because of that. Let's round out the comments with our nonsensical, beautiful comments from my favorites, Headhunting Halo and Sam Torres. Headhunting Halo says, Omar was great, uh, was a great time. Sorry, Omar was a great time. That was different. That's a good thing, though. The Modern Warfare 2 beta was awesome. I had so much fun time, so much fun playing it. Maxed out to 30, collected all the beta rewards, and, and why the fudge are Doritos $5 a bag now? Doritos are $5 a bag now because fuck you, they can be. And uh, yes, I have, I have, um, I've been protesting by buying Pringles lately. So headhunting Halo, maybe you want to try some Pringles. You also said, Jess, if you haven't played Metal Hellsinger, it's a fabulous love, Doom feel. The music is kick-ass, and it leaves a lot of decently long and challenging like my PPE. Lol, I'm excited to get down with Modern Warfare 2, God of Ragnarok, God of War Ragnarok, Skull and Bones. Five games left of Backlog to go. If you haven't been in the MCC in a while, I recommend trying out. New armors, new stuff, throwing in the exchange. So cool. Banana pudding, cookie, literally cookie. What, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? You said <laughs> a cookie banana pudding chopped bananas vanilla wafer on top of cookies. If you ever want a better feeling than intercourse, I highly recommend it. Have a great week, Jess. Much love. Headhunting Halo, I love you. But also, what the fuck are you saying? But also, 
That sounds like a good dessert. I'd eat it. Final comment comes from Sam Torres, who says, there's another ranty one, but I love it. In the 90s, I'd overhear something in a social setting talking about how uh, gaming they were, and it turns out that they were really just into Doom or some shit, how they'd be into gaming, but it was really just Doom. I mean, that counts as gaming, but I was looking for a fellow Chrono Trigger fan to be uh, to blend sequel ideas with. Side note, while doing some astral projection over the weekend, I traveled backwards across the earth to Shinjuku, Japan, and went to Square Enix's offices. Upon entering the building, I saw a sign in the back alleyway that says, Square Enix Sex Torture Dungeon. So I got curious. Son, Square Enix doesn't just hate us, they want to turn our A buttons into B's, our X's by the looks into rubber Phil Spencer masks and shiny leather suit on the wall. We have no we have no mainline Final Fantasy entries until we have suffered for our hentai sins. Also, Chick-fil-A was next door and it's open seven days a week. I think their mascot is a frog with a winking cow head hat. Thanks for the great show. Enjoy your travels. I don't know what subconscious things you've seen that have inspired you to write these words uh, Sam Torres but I am like my eyes are in the back of my head now and, and I'm blinking feverishly like I'm going into a seizure I don't know what is happening also nice reference with Chrono Trigger I never got more than two hours into Chrono Trigger please don't hit me I um I don't know it just wasn't my thing I guess I wanted to like it so please be fair yes I think Square Enix clearly hates us they want to turn our X's into B's they want to turn Phil Spencer into a rubber mask or whatever you're saying. And if Chick-fil-A were open seven days a week, then Popeyes would have no love. So please don't make that happen. But guys, that's it for all of our comments this week. Please remember for next week, don't be shy. Reply. Please leave a comment. I'd love to hear from you guys. But I appreciate your time. I appreciate you listening and your support. Um, have a great week. Take care of yourselves. If you are in Florida or in the path of this hurricane or anything out there, stay safe. Please don't do stupid shit. Just fucking stay safe. Um, if you're somewhere else in the world where our government's probably bombing you to death or someplace where the CCP is denying you human rights while Americans buy shit and condone uh, millions of dollars from from evil governments being spread into their businesses, if you are, if you are the guy at the Hershey's Chocolate Factory who's putting almonds in those almond Hershey's bars, for the love of Christ, give us a little extra almond. It'd be nice. But for everyone else, have a great week. Stay safe. Enjoy some video games. Take care of your loved ones. Eat a good meal. Empower your dreams. <laughs>